Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to our new show, not football related, where we're going to talk about a different thing every month. Uh, the show is a collaboration between the Square Ball and Andy's Man Club. Andy's Man Club slogan is, it's okay to talk, hence the name of the show. This time we're talking about money. It's okay to talk about money. Andy's Man Club, if you don't know, is a men's suicide prevention charity offering free to attend peer-to-peer support groups across the UK and online. Uh, as well as Michael being here from the Square Ball, Ollie's here from Andy's Man Club. What is the point of Andy's Man Club then, Ollie, very briefly, if you can just explain what it is you do? So we provide um, talking groups for men up and down the UK. Um, we've currently got just short of 120 groups, but it's just a safe place for guys to come and talk about anything that might be bothering them, any feelings, emotions, problems that they've got that they might not want to talk about at home, at work, with the friends, um, or in those other social circles. Um, just a safe, non-judgmental environment to, bring guys together to hopefully prevent them from getting to that crisis point in the first place. Um, your groups meet every Monday, apart from bank holidays, seven o'clock, places across the country, details, andysmanclub.co.uk. Yeah, go back as well. We started before Christmas. We spoke about um, Christmas uh, on the, the first show that we did. So if you're not feeling particularly festive, which you might not be in January, you can go back and, and listen to that where we just dug into some of the issues and had a bit of a laugh, I think, about uh, Michael, your uh, experience of a Peruvian Christmas. <laughs> it was nice, the pig in a, pig in a, uh, in a bath, a scary scary dad and all that but that was good uh, yeah so um, through this series of shows we are just going to talk about sort of day to day issues and um, and look at some of the stuff that comes up some of the stuff maybe that, that appears in the groups as well Ollie and his man club just have a chat about them share some stories hopefully have a bit of a laugh January financial pressures um, we're around that time of year now where people are feeling really really skint back end of um, of January and um, Blue Monday is the thing you wanted to address isn't it right from the off so we'll we'll lead off on that because we've just had Blue Monday which if you don't know what it is, well, what is it? It's a fallacy, is what it is. Yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the, the, it, it was a professor, wasn't it, who came yeah. up with it for a, a holiday company to try and flog holidays, basically saying this is the the time of the year, the day of the year when you are saddest overall, you're most depressed. But it was with a means to try and sell holidays, so to cheer you up. Yeah, basically, it was um, to get people to part with the money. And I, I don't personally like the idea that this is the worst day of the year. This is the day that you're going to be sad. So we're going to tell you that you're going to be sad on this day. Well, it might not be for everybody, quite simply, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, 2023 um, was the 16th of January, so um, fairly recently. Uh, d- did you feel particularly miserable? Seemed all right. Yeah? I thought. You managed to get through it? <laughs> yeah, reading through Jesse's um, press conference stuff, that's always a little bit a bit tough. That was um, the day was we were reading over him saying it was our best performance and all that, wasn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, let's let's try and steer away other from the, the other, football. Other than Leeds United, it was fine. <laughs> we don't want to drag everything down at Leeds United <laughs> levels. 
So th- we're talking about money because yeah, I say a lot of people feel in the pinch in January. What is your what's your relationship like with money? Because I, I kind of I'm kind of fascinated by this because we joke about you being like the, mm. uh, the Pontefract's tightest man, Michael. <laughs> but we we've spoken quite a lot off air about money and our relationship to it, haven't we? As well, because I think yours and mine are vastly different. You stress me out with your <laughs> your way of dealing with money and you, your descriptions of past spending habits. It's funny. I went to um, Temple News with the kids at the weekend and we drove past. Uh, pub that we met in a few years ago now when we were kind of first getting square ball set up and it was the the place where you first detailed your various levels of debt and I remember <laughs> just leaving that place and thinking Jesus Christ you got well, more, more stressed about it than I, did, I did I instantly set about trying to find solutions for it I was like well that this this can't go on yeah. <laughs> you need to sort this out <laughs> you were, it was just an amount that you'd be you kind of built up and you were just paying it but you're paying so much it, it panicked me it was keeping me oh, awake yeah. at night was your debt situation at the time. So. Oh yeah, we were, pay- we were paying over a grand and a half every month on just servicing debt and probably pay- about a third of it was paying it down, but most of it was just to stand still on credit cards. We just got into that spiral because I've been self-employed, you know, obviously I spent years as a DJ and then did the radio as well. But to do my job in Newcastle, the radio was so expensive that I was chucking like six or 700 quid a month on initially car hire, which went on credit cards just to be able to get there, then bought another cheap car and sort of ran it. And I was doing 700 quid or something like that a month on on fuel. So I was actually, although I was earning quite well, a lot of it was already going out and car maintenance was like through the roof and all the rest of it. But that was on top of, as a DJ, you know, like I'm in my 40s now and, and I quit DJing. I thought I need to stop before I'm 40 because it's sad being a 40-year-old man in a nightclub. You don't need to do that anymore. Um, so I did, I packed it in. But over those years, you know, as, as the work sort of diminishes, as you get older into your 30s and your 40s, because you can't do student nights anymore, can you, midweek? And obviously with changes in the sort of general financial landscape, students have got less money to go out with. So the work all just gradually dropped off, but the the debt sort of accumulated to the point where we'd never paid it down in time. And it became such a burden that we could just couldn't we couldn't afford to pay it off, if that made sense. I'll get to the 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 debt management plan, which we're we're doing and we're still midway through now. But yeah, it's interesting talking to you about it because it really, really stressed you out. My I think my stress built up from it over a number of years, which contributed to, as I spoke on the show last month about getting involved in therapy as well and it was part of the reason why my stress levels were so high because I got booted from the radio when everything got networked and suddenly I was staring down the barrel of having no job and needing to pay quite a lot of money back to banks and various you know loan companies or whatever yeah the contrast with me is that I've just been dead sensible oh I think I think your lifestyle went to a point that you sort of maintained when beyond when you could I think I always just kept mine to such a crap level (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was, I know when I was applying for a mortgage, they go through like affordability stuff with yeah. it on the phone, and the woman couldn't believe how little I was, <laughs> I was spending on stuff. <laughs> this can't be right because they go through and they're like, "How much are you spending on like uh, what's your one Sky?" And I was like, oh, "I don't have it." How much is your mobile phone? Like tenner. How much is how much you spending on a gym? Don't have one. Uh, she was like, "What? Well, do you spend money on anything else?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, like." Going old and stuff, but I don't have any kind of ongoing stuff. She's like, have you got a car on finance? Like, nah. Um, <laughs> any other loans? No. Any credit cards? No. She's <laughs> just like, uh, well, okay, I suppose. I suppose, there's, so there's nothing really you could cut out if you, because they, they, they go through the affordability saying like, you can afford this now, but what if X, Y, and Z, don't they? If you cut like, like your lifestyle. <laughs> then what could you cut back on? I was like, well, not a lot really, I don't suppose. If uh, I could I could go on like no holidays and stuff, but that'd be all right. Do you feel like you've missed out at all? Not really. Do you think Is they're it? sort of driven driven by some sort of fear of debt, of, of overspending? I think, and it's completely unfounded as well, because I've never been in debt. 
my parents were never in debt. It's not like I've got horrible childhood stories of like bailiffs at the door and that's where panic is driven from. I don't know. I just think I've always been worried about it. And I don't like the idea of, I don't like the idea of owing people like anything to the extent there is if someone's lent me a tenner, I'll be very quickly trying to give them it back. I don't like, I don't tend to like stuff drifting on like that. And I'll be, um, I don't know. I think I like other people to be cautious with money as well <laughs> in a weird way. I'm always like, you know, you should want this back because, because it's yours. <laughs> and, and I get the same way around birthdays and Christmas as well. If people are trying to buy stuff because I'm like, you know, age I am, age I am. I've got my own money. If I want something, I'll just buy it myself. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel the need and to. you'll buy the right thing as well. I'll buy the right thing, exactly. Because <laughs> if someone's trying to buy me something, I'm like, no, nah, I don't, like, I'll buy it myself. And I don't want you buying something frivolous because if I won't buy it for myself, I don't want you spending your money on that either, if that makes sense. You're in a situation, Ollie, where you've had a bit of money troubles. You've been on the rocks a bit, but you've cleared it all up and you're now in a position to get mortgages. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, somewhere that I never thought I'd be, to be honest. Um, my relationship with money has been quite stressful over the years in fact I think money was one of the things that contributed to, to my own depression it was that self-fulfilling prophecy of got myself in debt and then couldn't afford to pay off the debt so was becoming more upset about that and the more upset I, I got about it the sort of less I really gave a shit about it um, and just carried on spending more and one of the ways that I tried to deal with my depression was to, to buy things to buy things to make myself feel better um, which obviously when you're in debt isn't really a great thing to do in hindsight, but it sounded like seemed like a brilliant idea at the time. But yeah, I went through quite a long period of not having very much. So I've just cut back on on absolutely everything. Once I started addressing the, the debt problems after burying my head in the sand for quite a long time about it, I was unable to get any credit whatsoever. I, I spent five or six years with no credit available to me, just living off off my, my actual income whilst paying off the, the outstanding debt. Um, and then from there, it was another couple of years of, of rebuilding that credit rating, which was absolutely through the floor to a point where I could actually start to get a decent amount of credit. Again. And now, like I say, I'm in the position where I'm currently trying to buy my first home. I've had a, a mortgage approved and it just, it's a position I never thought I'd get to. I genuinely never thought I did. When I was in debt, uh, we chatted about this a little bit earlier, but you feel like you... You're never going to get out of that cycle. I'm, you know, I felt like I was never going to be able to buy a house, never going to be able to buy a car, never going to be able to afford the, the things that I really wanted in life because I had this black mark against my name. So to be able to work through that and, and get to a position that I wanted to be is really rewarding, I guess. It's, it's something to be Huge proud of. Huge sense of achievement. Yeah, 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 massive, absolutely massive. And, you know, it's, it's something that I really want to share with other people because when you are trapped in it, you do feel like it'll go on forever. Do you remember um, what it felt like to have no control of your finances? Yeah, there were other factors as well, but ultimately I wanted to kill myself. I did not want to be here anymore. It was some pressure that was far too much for me to take as as a, as a man. I wasn't speaking to anybody about it. It was just something that I dealt with as far as I could and as much as I could by myself. And it got to a point where it was no longer manageable. So I just started ignoring the letters, stopped paying the bills and obviously made it a hell of a lot worse for, for myself um, in the long run. But there was a um, an underlying sense of dread and it was... It was constant for uh, maybe four or five years before I actually started addressing the problem. Um, I can relate to all this, yes. <laughs> it, were, it it just never went away. And as I said, you know, that's those are the points where I was at my lowest, where I couldn't see a way out of it and I genuinely didn't want to, to be here anymore. And it was only when I started addressing those issues that I could then start addressing my mental health as well because the two do go hand in hand. And the more I 
worried about it, the worse I felt and the less willing I, less willing I had to do anything about it. it. It did actually get to a point where I thought, you know, well, I'm not going to be here next year, so there's no point in, in so it doesn't trying matter. to yeah, curb any of it. I might as well just do what I need to do for the time being. And it's it's a bleak place to be. It really, really is. And looking back now, you know, I'm I'm glad that I did manage to get things sorted out. Was there, was there a thing or a moment that tipped you over into addressing it? Because that's the hardest thing, isn't it? It's uh, it's like with so many of these things, is is confronting the issue itself rather than running away from it. And you know, it goes back to difficulties around Christmas and families that we spoke about like last month. It's the same with this, isn't it? Is getting a grip of of that sense of control, and that comes back as soon as you deal with it head on. Um, there was a change in, in my living circumstances. I went through quite a, a messy breakup, which left me homeless for about eight months. And when I eventually got my own flat, was a point when I was determined to make things right. Um, I was determined to sort of get back on my feet after you know relying on other people for for such a long time. And this this new flat for me was a clean start, if you like. It was a place of my own. I didn't have to worry about whoever else was living there or having to agree on anything or argue over things it, any, it was my space that I could do whatever I wanted in um, and ultimately that was the, the turning point for me to I, I knew that I didn't want to live in this council flat for forever so I needed to sort of pull things together a little bit and, and manage things and address these things head on and coincidentally it was about the same time that I started attending Andy, Andy's man club um, when I was in that flat so I had conversations with other guys who had been through other similar things and it inspired me to make that change in myself as well. I'd seen that it wasn't impossible to get out of that situation and hearing their stories gave me the a little bit of knowledge really, a little bit of wisdom of somebody who'd been through the, the same situation to be able to make the right decisions and, and take the right actions for myself as well. I guess it's very difficult to to get a turning point though because it's so quick to get into debt but when you look at maybe what you've built up and the road ahead of it is very long. I mean, how, how many years is it say from that point to getting a mortgage? Um, probably about eight. Like it's, eight a, it's a it's a hell of a long time, isn't it, to dedicate to it? But it just it's breaking that spiral is is almost the most. That's probably almost the best bit of it when you first, when you make the choice to be like, okay, today I'm going to start putting this right. And that's that's the thing. It's it's dictated by your credit record, isn't it? And stuff stays yeah. on there for six years. So if you default on a on a payment or whatever, that's the point at which you you're six years from that point onwards. And I said with the debt management plan that we're in, we're sort of midway through it now be done in another sort of three years or whatever but until then we can't borrow and we're in that place but actually do you know what the getting the sense of control back has been so important and we're now living within our means mm. and the sense of actually the sense of control and the sense of joy of living within your means and thinking i don't have to worry month to month about i've overspent on that and at some point in the future i'm gonna to have to pay it back but i'm just going to pretend it's not there for now is it's so huge is that flipping over into that that mental space I think. there's such a relief that comes with it in there with actually knowing that you don't have to hide from it anymore, um, that you don't have to sort of shelter away from it. Once I started tackling those problems, once I made that initial phone call to a debt management company, it was like a massive weight had been lifted off my shoulders because it was something that I'd been putting off for years and years and years. Same. Worrying yeah. about for, you know, every waking minute, uh, struggling to get to sleep at night over it. And then as soon as I did, I thought, why the hell didn't I do that sooner? Why yeah. didn't I do that sooner? Yeah, I went through Step Change. You were based in Leeds, actually. And they are brilliant. They're a charity, so they don't take any money from doing the stuff that they do and god it's so simple to do <laughs> it, yeah, it's just yeah. worth reiterating that you know there are consequences like financially and to your status and particularly if you go for so like for example a debt management plan is an informal arrangement 
with your creditors, but they write to them all on your behalf. You pay them one payment a month and then they distribute it um, according to the calculations you work out based on your budget, which is dead straightforward. And they're really, really helpful. With and it's it. not a consolidation loan, is it? That it's a- Absolutely not. No, what it, I mean, it's, it's, if you think actually where, where interest rates have been going recently, um, it's, it's good because in most cases, I think with ours, all the interest has been stopped, the accounts have been cancelled, and we're now just in a process of working with like the collection departments just to repay the stuff at an affordable rate. And we've probably brought our outgoing payments down to about a third of what they were, but it's all going on mm. getting repaid now. Yeah. And you attack it so much quicker when you do that. Like IVA as well, um, an involuntary, um, I can't remember the exact word, in the, I should have written this down before we started uh, recording, but the involuntary agreement, have a look for me, will you, while I'm talking about this, the, an IVA is more serious and it's sort of a halfway house between a debt management plan and um, like bankruptcy. It's a formal legal agreement, um, as is bankruptcy as well. But they are all there available to you, depending on what your needs are and how bad that your finances can be. But they will advise, like step change will advise you yeah. on what the right route is um, out of this. It's an individual voluntary arrangement. That's the one. IVA. Yeah, but it's, that is a, that's a legal agreement, whereas like a debt management plan is an informal agreement. With your creditors, so but this is all explained to you. I mean, I'm not a I'm not an expert in this by any stretch of the imagination. I just know that I've benefited hugely from engaging in this process and getting back that sense of control. Yeah, like, and, ste- and Step Change are a charity, aren't they? Like yeah, yeah, they're saying, not. Yeah. They're they are completely. They do not take a penny. They out are of it. neutral people as well to speak to and can give you advice. And it is it is just worth speaking to them because it can be just an insurmountable amount of information, can it? You can look yeah. at, at various ways of, of shifting debt around and stuff, but just beat some people who know yeah that's it because we tried to way. yeah we tried to consolidate and move stuff around for for years but eventually you just you run out of options and you realize you're up in you know up to your eyeballs it's too deep I and think, you just need to de- deal with it i think what you found as well is that essentially they go to credit card companies and say you can have this back or you're going to force them to be bankrupt you'll have none of it back from their po- the credit card's point of view they've already had their pound of flesh haven't they because you've been paying your interests yeah. many times over i don't know if you've ever worked out how much you've probably paid back over the I years, don't want to know. It'll be, it'll be, but it, they've had their money, yeah, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, That's yeah. the thing, and they will, it's... and they will get back what they're owed, even if they don't get all the massive amounts of interest on top. Exactly, and the, and the thing is with step changes, well, they're on your side, but I, th- I think they are actually as a charity, they are partly funded funded by the credit agencies as well um, as other individual donors. I don't know, I'd have to double check that. Um, I, I think, I think they are, and I think it makes sense because you know, if if like me, you just stop paying altogether, then they're not getting anything. Um, whereas if you can come to an arrangement where you make affordable monthly payments, then at least they're gonna they're gonna get it back, and it, it helps both ends, and it? it helps you guys, and it helps them close the account as well. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I know that you know going forward, it's going to be completely different, um, and never ever going to entertain that scenario again. I will take credit because you sort of need it to function in the in this world, don't you? But it's always going to be sensible and within limits, you know. If even stuff like having a credit card so you can hire a car abroad, which is nigh on impossible to do without a a credit card, just having that to fall back on, but getting back in control of everything has been has been so important. And it was as simple as like, you know, sitting down and talking to them. You can either do it online or you can do it on the phone. Just doing a budget, everything that's coming in, everything that's going out, work out what's left and you go from there. But they're, you know, they're sympathetic and they allow you to sort of move what's coming in and going out. And if your expenses go up one month, if your washing machine breaks, you need to get a new one. They'll allow you to sort of tweak things for a month or two to, to get stuff back in order. So it's... um it's a hugely, hugely valuable service. So if you if you are struggling with money, seriously, just look up StepChat. I think StepChange.org uh, are absolutely brilliant. Can recommend them completely. I mentioned budget in there as well. Is, is it something you do, or do you not now? Because part of debt management is budgeting monthly. Like so, we've worked out a budget which we sort of you have to stick to as part of the agreement. Is it something you do in your day to day life? It's not really. I think because I'm quite. Um, I suppose my default is fairly thrifty. 
Yeah, you're, you're some way off ever. I'm, I'm kind of, all, <laughs> and like between me and my wife, we've got kind of a, a decent enough income, so I don't, I sort of don't worry too much. If I felt like I was spe- spending was getting out of control, I might start looking at it a bit more. I suppose, I suppose I'd look for budgeting for like if I'm booking a holiday or something, I'll be then thinking, okay, well that's going to be an amount due now, an amount due in six months or whatever. I, I suppose I look at that sort of stuff for budgeting just to make sure there's going to be there's going to be enough there. But no, I don't. I'm, I suppose I'm fortunate insofar as I don't I don't feel like I go around the supermarket going, all right, I've only got 80 quid here and I can't go over it. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What about you, Ollie? Do you, now you've kind of come out the other side of this and you're, you're in that mortgage headspace, do you find that you're a little bit more careful with budgeting? A little bit. I, I budget very loosely. I know roughly, I've got two bank accounts and I've got one that the bills come out of and one which I spend money out of. My wage gets paid into the one that I spend money out of and I just transfer All enough, that enough to cover yeah. the bills for that month yeah. and then whatever's left is gone within a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fairness, that's the arrangement I have as well with you know an amount of what I earn goes into a joint account and all the bills and stuff come out of that yeah. and, and shopping and stuff comes out of that and there's, there's enough in there that it covers it. And... I, tell you, I tell you it's a mad exercise to do, you don't, even if you're not fully budgeting, is to sit, sit down and work out what you're spending at a supermarket mm. every month. And Because I know a lot of phone and banking apps now have categories, don't they, for, for stuff and make, so it makes this process easy. You can just have a look on your phone at what you're spending month to month. But if you ever sit down and actually write it down, that's a fun exercise. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Tongue firmly in cheek. Yeah, we, we once did it because our nearest supermarket was uh, was Sainsbury's. So for ages, it would be a case of popping in there. And what we were doing, we were going in like four or five, maybe six times a week and you're burning through 20, 30 quid at a time, if not more. It's easily done, particularly yeah. now with the way that food prices and supermarket prices are going. And we sat down once and I, and I figured out it was like we were doing like 300 quid a week on shopping. I was wonder where all the money was going, you know, on top of all the debt. And I was like, ah, oh, do you know, it's, it's all going in there. And then thankfully they opened an Aldi nearby absolutely slashed the the <laughs> weekly shopping bill and then um and have kept a close eye on it since and tried you know tried to meal plan mm. and stuff like that uh, one of the one of the things i found that was a massive help and it sounds proper daft but getting milk delivered 
because we go through a bottle of milk every day in, the, in our house. So every day we we're going to the shop to get some milk. But at the shop, we're also spending 30, 40 pounds on other things from, uh, you know, just buying stuff for tea or getting whatever it might Coming be. Coming out with a power tool if you're in Aldi. Exactly, yeah. Those <laughs> middle aisle bags. Centre aisle, yeah. <laughs> um, but just, yeah, getting milk delivered to the house meant that we were only going to the supermarket maybe once or twice a week rather than six or seven times a week. Um, and absolutely cut down on the amount of spending phenomenally. I mean, the problem with budgeting more recently has obviously been that, you know, you get that email from your energy provider who says, you were paying £130 a month, it's yeah. now £400 a month. You go, oh, great, nice one. What do I do with that? Yeah, I mean, that is <laughs> just turn that off, shall I? Yeah, and it has been a huge, I mean, we're, you know, we're sort of making light of it, but it is a genuine heating or eating situation for some people, isn't it? Um, and have, have you found that as the um, Andy's Man Club sessions have resumed after Christmas, that people are more mindful or worried about finances and that sort of stuff? Um, I think it's been it's been ongoing for, for since before Christmas. You know, people were worried about having to spend money at Christmas or for, as we were talking about in the last episode or those expectations because they were worried how they're going to keep the house running at the same time. For myself, I've I've recently moved house into a rented property and it's on a prepaid gas meter and it's absolutely extortionate. It's they those things are designed for the poorest among us essentially. But they're on the highest, highest tariffs as well. And we're putting so much money on, into this gas meter just to try and stop the kids from freezing, basically. We're not even having the heating on 24-7, just putting it on a couple of hours in the morning, a couple of hours in the evening. And it's having to be very, very conscious about when we choose to put that on, making sure we turn it off. Are we going to run out of gas? And then not only that, but to go and top it up, you've got to go to one of three shops anywhere near a 10 mile radius or something ridiculous and they only accept cash as well so you can't even pay on your card so just making something that's already really inconvenient and difficult even more inconvenient and difficult and it's just so unbelievably frustrating i don't understand how how it's got to that point in the first place i really don't stuff like that's just horrible like the fact that they because they're making people have them as well now aren't they in certain properties and it's it is essentially just a way of punishing you for not having money in the first place which is Obviously, it's going to make your problems worse. It's uh, not something, sadly, we can particularly solve it, but it's just one of those things that you think, that's, that's just shit. It's completely unfair on people. Do you um, have your little remote control for your smart meter? Do you have it out or is it in a drawer? Do you know what? It never actually arrived. We had it, they came and fitted it and they said they were going to send it on and then never did. Yeah, we still, still haven't got it. I think that you get it and there's a novelty aspect to it where you go, oh, I can see what I'm spending now. I mean, this, I'm talking before things went absolutely crazy in the last six to 12 months when we got ours. So oh, this is interesting, and I, and I ended up becoming a slave to it. Like you know, you know, you ever like your dad walking around the house turning stuff off, saying it's like Blackpool Illuminations in here. You know, those sort of northern cliches. But I found myself doing it, like saying, "Bloody hell, the kettles! It's fourteen p to boil the kettle and things like that." It's like this is no way to live. It's no way to live. And I know everyone's like kind of been steering more towards sort of caution um, these days and, and be mindful of what you're spending. And in many ways, that may be one of the good things that does come out of what's happened with the the huge energy cost is that people are just a little bit more switched on to um to using stuff you know assuming you can afford to do that because i am i'm a little bit more mindful mm-hmm. like you know using the air fryer instead of putting the oven on and and things like that and you know, things well, like i've gone around draft proofing as well yeah as a result of it because you're like wow is it, that kitchen door does have quite a, a breeze coming under it i'm just going to sort that out while i'm uh, while i'm thinking about this but i think that in terms of like the the kind of cost of living stuff i feel like there's a a difference as well between us talking about this stuff and it, it really, one thing that really winds me up is politicians kind of making out that you just need to sort out your budget with stuff. <laughs> like talking down to people who have, they obviously, I mean, if you're an MP, you're on 80 odd grand and you get expenses to pay for your heating and stuff anyway. And then you, you see some of them going, well, really, people just need to 
people just need to budget properly and cut and, out your, your avocado toast and your latte exactly. and you, you can afford to put your heating on you've room for a flat screen TV you've money for a flat screen TV haven't you as if you can get any other sort of TV yeah. uh, this, in this day and age but yeah that sort of stuff it really really winds me up when you see people and say oh you, you can get Weetabix for, for 8 pence why, yeah. why, live, is off it, that, live off that every why day why is anyone hungry it's like well because you'd Get scurvy and, bloody, and <laughs> die of malnutrition if that's all you ever ate. It's like great advice. Thanks very much. You can get a bo- you can get a bag of oats for for eighty p. It's like yes, and there's nothing in it that, that is any good for you. Like it will stop you feeling hungry. Yes, but it won't. It... A horse. <laughs> yeah, but like surely there's more to life than this, and yeah. you're not the person. You're not the person to tell me about it. Yeah, there are difficult conversations around that as well. About and I think it's disingenuous, isn't it, to say you can just just make your life a lot more simple because you get accustomed to, you know, like you say, you walk into a supermarket and there's, you know, there's fruit, there's veg, there's, there is, there are your oats, there's pasta, but you don't want to have to walk past everything else just, you know, to get the most, the, the basic discount line of pasta and oats and live off that deal. It's uh, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a false argument. I mean, mm. it's a fallacy. It's, it is. And the other thing is that it's those basic essentials that have been the um, highest price hikes, if you like. Mm. I think the cost of a, a cheap bag of pasta has gone up by about 200% in the last you know, couple of years. So you used to be able to get those three kilo bags for about £1.50. They're about four quid now. Yeah. You know? And if somebody is living on those things, if that's what they need to survive, then their cost of living has increased exponentially. Way more than people that are buying the, the weight, have had to move from Waitrose to Aldi or whatever. Mm. And yeah, I think there's a massive feeling that those in power are completely out of touch with, with those that are actually feeling the, the pinch directly. Do you feel like you're in control of your money now? I think it's uh, it's uh, one of those relationships where we both have a little bit of control. It controls me and, and I control it. Um, like I said, I have surplus to, to my wage once my bills have been paid. I'm very fortunate in that respect. But that surplus does not last. That, it not with kids? No. Well, no, not with, not with kids. Not with, you know, everything else that goes with it. I like to get out and about I need to escape the kids sometimes as well you know <laughs> so be able to facilitate any sort of lifestyle you need you need a little bit of surplus cash don't you really and it it tends to be that I have to plan very carefully when I'm going out when I'm doing these things with the kids whether it's going away for the weekend with the lads or whether it's taking the kids to to football training I've got to make sure that those things are all all put to one side before I start going splashing out on a new set of headphones or, or whatever it might be one of those things that's hugely prevalent at the minute, gambling, and we should say like we've, you know, on our podcast, on this podcast, we've turned down loads of money from gambling companies for sponsorship. Occasionally there are dynamic ads served up that we can't do anything about, mm. but Acast, who's our host, knows that we don't want gambling companies sponsoring us. So just getting that one out of the way up and front. We, the Phil Hay Show was for a time sponsored by Bet365 as well. Which, yeah, which we, was it's not our show. We couldn't do anything about No, we couldn't really choose that. No. But, relationship to gambling is an interesting one and I imagine it's it's something that features in a lot of blokes' minds in the in this day and age with the, the prevalence of like advertising uh, around it and, and sport. Absolutely and we see so many guys coming through that have um, been stung by by those hopes and promises of, of those gambling ads if you like. Um, you know they I, I think they I don't understand why they ban ads for cigarettes they ban ads for alcohol and things like that but alcohol which I mean, uh, gambling, which is a lot more dangerous in the short term, um, is is splattered all over everything. You can't watch a football match without, you know, being having it rammed down your throat, and it really can be life destroying. It can destroy relationships. It can destroy jobs. It can destroy 
entire lives um, and it very very quickly gets out of hand from you know you lose a tenner so you put 20 quid on to try and get your original tenner back and you know I've, I've heard some really, chasing, really, losses, chasing losses exactly yeah, yeah. yeah I've heard some really dramatic stories where people have gone through tens of thousands of pounds uh, taken their entire savings from, from the partner and out of joint accounts and things and then been trying to chase those losses so that they can get away with it so that the partner's not going to find out that they've just taken all the, the deposit for the house and it, it's scary. It really is scary that people can get to that position so quickly. I guess we're going back to political lobbying again there, the reason why it's the advertising is not being banned. And this is the thing as well, you don't want to be kind of nannying everybody. You want to give people the freedom of choice and acknowledge that most people don't have a problem with gambling or don't have a problem with drinking and things like that. Uh, it's, it's one of those everything in moderation things, isn't it? But the, the more extreme end of the scale is quite terrifying. But I, like, I have no real moral objection to gambling and I will have bets now and then, never, never very much because it's just, I think it's... I'm fortunate that it's not really in my nature to risk more than I can afford because I'm, I'm thrifty, generally speaking. But the way that it is marketed, I, I follow a, an account on Twitter called Gambling With Lives and they they have support for people who have like lost family members and stuff who've, who've killed themselves due to gambling problems and they kind of uh, lobby the government and stuff to try, and, to try and introduce more things. But they show, quite often will share a screenshot of a Premier League football match and they'll say like, the word bet is on screen 48 times there because you can see it on... Every player's shirt, you can see it on the advertising boards, you can see it on the scoreboard behind, you can see it on fan shirts, and you think, it's too much. Like, there's there's an amount, I think, which you were... Like, bookies have always been there, but when I was a kid, the the bookies was a place you walked into, and it was like a little... Booze and fags. A little, yeah, it was, <laughs> a, it was, a, it was a, little, a little place on the corner where all men went in, whereas now it's it's on your phone, isn't it? You've got, you've got a bookies available 24-7 and 100 adverts a day telling you to have a little look at it. So I think it's it's something that I, the technology has overtaken the legislation. I think for it because it, when it was just to put a bet on, you had to wander down to William Hill. Not saying no one had a gambling problem in those days, but it was a lot more limited because you had to actually get up off your ass and walk down the shop and put some money in and have a vague idea what you were doing. Whereas now you just it's sort of gamified, isn't it? Gambling yeah. it's turned into it's almost the same as you might pick up your phone and play Candy Crush or something. It's like a, I would just have a look at this. It's just something that's a bit of fun for you to do, but actually. Within that app, you can, if you want, you can deposit a grand and lose it in 10 minutes. If you depend, because there's always the sport betting, but they all also have a casino site. They have like live roulette on them. They have all these different things you can do on it. And it's it's a dangerous thing, I think, to get people to just, to try and get people into and to to hang hang the sort of um, the temptation in front of people to go, oh, you can win 100 grand on this. If you, if, you want, if you want to have a look at it, it's up to you. Ultimately, the bookies always win, don't they? You yeah, know, and and that's why the biggest taxpayers in the UK over the last couple of years have, have been online betting companies. You know, they, they've paid hundreds of millions of pounds in tax, and that's probably why there's not going to be putting any, any legislation in place to prevent them from doing what they're doing. I just think, uh, yeah, I I morally don't have a, an objection to gambling like yourself. I know the dangers of it, and I think that more could be done to prevent somebody who usually puts on fifty, hundred quid, whatever it might be, from depositing half the life savings in there because something's mm. gone you know something's gone tits up and they're trying to find a way out of it I think algorithms and the technology that we have today should be able to prevent those sorts of things they mm. should be able to see people's regular spending habits and if something's out of the ordinary it should be flagged and, and questioned rather than just letting them dip it straight in it does exist because it's the same algorithms that they're using to pull people in so the technology mm. does exist doesn't it it's the same stuff like you get the, the dopamine hit from Facebook likes and things like that it's the same yeah. sort of principle with uh with gambling and um, dopamine hits from losing or winning, whatever it mm. might be, and they just kind of 
it, it feeds the the addiction or people who are prone to addiction it's going to particularly feed it for them isn't it yeah I mean and you, it would be easy for them to do it just insofar as you can look you can tell from someone's postcode what their house is likely worth and if you can see someone's living in a house that's worth 150 grand and they've put 200 grand on this year in what bets bad idea that probably just need to tell them not to because <laughs> that's that, that, there was a, a case in um, involving Paddy Power where um, it all came to the it all kind of came to the public eye because he, he ended up in prison did this guy because he'd been um He'd been stealing from work as a result of it, but he, he was living in a really ordinary house, and he'd staked like over a million quid with them. And he had a, he had an ordinary job, and they'd but they'd given him like VIP phone numbers he could ring if he wanted to put bets on. They'd taken him to um, they'd taken him to the races and some giving him some football tickets and stuff. So it's, he was like, like, it's, it's the equivalent of like the Las Vegas Wales, isn't it? Where they, yeah. they get their hotel stay for free and loads of freebies and sh- show tickets and concert tickets because they spend some. Which fun. is fine if you're a millionaire yeah. and you can and twenty grand, thirty grand yeah. here and there's if if that's nothing to you. But to lure ordinary people into it is is horrible. I'm pleased to say, despite my own wastefulness with plenty of money over plenty of years, that I've never really gambled. I've, it, <laughs> I've probably put on about 30 bets in my entire life. So Yeah, just it's just never something that's particularly engaged me. Um, yeah, which you, you would think, given how reckless I've been with money in the past, particularly sort of 15, 20 years ago, that mm. um, maybe that would have been something I'd fallen into. But I'm pleased to say <laughs> I haven't done. I'll tell you one thing that changed my relationship with gambling, actually, was that when I started doing this the match betting thing, you know, betting using free bets to bet on alternative outcomes. It's kind of a, a way you, you can gamble without losing money, more or less. But yeah, do research it properly yeah. <laughs> if you if you're going to do it. But knowing, seeing how quickly you get those accounts banned when they can see that you you're doing something that will that'll actually win you money. They're like, well, this isn't the sort of customer we want here. We want we want people who are going to lose money. We don't want we don't possibly want to to be um to be paying out here. And they and they can very easily at that point. It can be as little as winning fifty quid off them, but in a way that makes them suspicious, and they'll go right banned. Whereas if you're pouring money into them, they'll be like, "Come on, come to the races, have this telephone number so you can put on some more bets." It's like if if you're a good customer to a bookie, you're a customer who loses money. And there's the stat about I think sixty percent of their profits come from five percent of their customers. Really? Wow. So it, it just goes to show that there are people there funneling a huge amount of money in, and they're the ones that that they need to look after for their wow. businesses to function. As a man who's been careful throughout his life, have you ever done anything outrageous in terms of money? I mean, just bearing in mind, people who watch our show will, will be aware you repaired your own roof because the quote you got was too expensive. I just <laughs> terrible thoughts of you being up there like covered in tar and falling <laughs> off and all sorts of stuff. I'm not I'm not paying somebody to do that. Yeah, that was a bit much. Um, well, I mean, this week I repaired my dishwasher. I changed my, <laughs> I changed my own car battery yesterday. So yeah, I, it's probably it's probably not a great advice to tell people to look on YouTube <laughs> to try and fix stuff. Um, tw- League United 20 year season ticket that was a big uh, definitely uh, a waste of money that was a big daft expense on it that was stupid um, but I knew I'd be buying it anyway yeah it was fine It was an, that was an investment I would say more than anything I mean house stuff that's always expensive isn't it that's, the, that's probably the main that's when I've got most stressed about money I suppose when you're taking the plunge on getting a house and getting a mortgage and being like right it's going to be this much but if in, as people have found out recently if you're on a flexible one and interest rates go up, you're like, okay, so that becomes not 700 quid, it becomes a grand. If it goes to this, it becomes one and a half grand. And the panic of that, I've um, I've always found stressful when I've when I've got a mortgage. So I've always <laughs> gone, I've always gone like the longest fix I can, <laughs> just to sort of yeah. buckle down for it. Well, I'm looking. I, I locked in for five years before interest rates started climbing. I did it like 12 months ago, mm. just before, because I was worried. Like, yeah. I, I, you, you've rubbed off on me. You say I've been listening to you all this time. We've been working <laughs> together. Have you have you ever done anything? Like frivolous. Is there anything you look back on? I thought, what a waste of money that was. Why did I do that? Or why did I buy that? Um, 
God, you know what? I don't think I've... I tend to buy stuff that's not that expensive. I don't think I've, I'm, I'm trying to think if I've ever A man bought, of simple taste. I'm trying to think if I've ever bought anything ridiculous for loads of money. I don't think I have. I suppose I, for me, it'd be something that other, sort of other people would consider not that expensive. You know, like when I've just bought something, it might be like 50 quid and I'd be like, oh, I don't need that. Well, the, re- the reason I ask you is because I've got a very specific example in mind of my own, which was I bought a jacket from Harvey Nichols in Leeds. I've never done anything like that. Which I, I wore it twice to go out in. It was like, it was like a suit jacket. But it was like, it was almost, it was quite cool and cutting edge, which obviously you can tell I am. Mm. Um, and it was like the stitching was all visible. Uh, it was almost like it had been turned inside out and half tailored. And it was really, really nice. But yeah, I wore it about twice. How much? Uh, I was about 120 quid. Oh, it's not as bad as I was expecting. No, but mind no. you, Mind you, what year was that? Yeah, we're probably talking over 20 years ago now. Oh, you could, you could buy a terrace house for 120 <laughs> quid in, that, in those days. Just, and, and you know what I ended up doing? I ended up, when I saw it in my wardrobe, I, and I was never prepared to part with it. But when I finally did, I thought, I'm not even going to try and sell that on one of these reselling apps. I'm going to give somebody a bargain. Mm. And I'm just, I just charited it. So hopefully Fair somebody enough. at a charity shop will get a really nice, will have a nice, really nice jacket that, that I've sadly outgrown. <laughs> when I got married, I did get, um, I did get a made to measure suit, actually. Yeah. That was, that was about 500 quid. That's probably the most frivolous thing because it's been worn six times, seven times, I reckon, in my life. All, so. all my daft money went on holidays, to be perfectly honest. Too many holidays, mm. too much fun. Or anything? Have you, have you gone frivolous on anything? Um, given that, given that you've you you know you found yourself basically without somewhere to live and you know trying yeah. to rebuild your life from from the bottom, what was the the thing that got you there that you go fucking hell? Why did I do that? Uh, before I got to that point, um, I, I did take out a loan to consolidate some of my my credit card bills and I had a couple of grand left over on on the back of it. Um, I got incredibly drunk one night and spent about six hundred quid in a strip club in Halifax. And I didn't even get a handy for it. So, you know, it was not, not worth a single penny. Um, but it was, yeah, I've never had a regret like it in my entire life. That was one of those moments where I just head in hands thinking, why the in hell did I do that, honestly? Did you, what, did you wake up and go, oh, no? Yeah. Yeah, it was a massive oh, no. It was a, a massive oh, no that lasted a, a very long time. Um, but, yeah, the, the most expensive thing I've, I've bought was probably... My car, I didn't learn to drive until I was 32 and I bought a, a Skoda Octavia VRS, which I absolutely loved. Unfortunately, shortly after that, with the fuel prices absolutely rocketed. Mm. We came into a cost of living crisis and I had to sell it. The only fortunate thing about that was that the second-hand car prices increased massively as well. So I got back every penny that I paid for it, but uh, I missed that car still. Um, it was worth a, um, definitely worth spending the money on, unlike the strip club. But unfortunately, it was just a lot more money. I mean, what a way to finish. Yeah, I mean, nights out, that, I suppose that would be the most frivolous stuff because you never, well, I'd say you never need one. Maybe you do sometimes, but you can easily do like on a very modest night out now, you can do 50 quid, can't you? Which is, you know, it's a fair chunk of money, is that? And yeah. you can you can be like, oh, that's just gone, which is a bit of a shame. But I think I've always been all right at saying no to stuff as well. If someone's been like, trying to like, oh, there's a stag do going on of someone you vaguely know and it's, going to be a week in Tenerife or whatever you'd be like nah, I'm not going to do that I, I, I don't need to spend that that's going to be like 600 quid I don't need to spend that but you know like for the stress it'd bring me long term it's something I don't really want to do <laughs> as well so is it, I know it's a tough balance in it between never doing it because obviously never do anything it's dead cheap isn't it but um, you know try and I guess pick and choose it yeah and be it feel, feel like you can say no to stuff I think that is important though because People do end up saying yes to doing stuff that they don't actually want to do. Yeah, like it's, and then it's just it's easy gone. Is that money? And uh, if you don't, if you don't look back on it that strip club fondly, then um... <laughs> what was the uh, what was the name of it? Uh, Never mind. We'll... 
Don't give me a plug. They've had enough money. Tell us afterwards. Six hundred. Anybody who lives in Halifax knows which strip. Oh dear me. Uh, Well, we'll wrap it up there then. Good fun again, and we'll come back in February and uh, and talk some more. We're going to get some different people in as well from Andy's Man Club to tell some different stories as well. Um, We'll decide on topic for for February. Maybe we could do love because it's Valentine's Day in February. Do you feel the love? (laughs) God, <laughs> it starts. It starts in a strip club in Halifax. <laughs> Just a reminder: Andy's Man Club over 100 free support groups, over 120 now. You were yep. saying, yep, um, that meet nationwide, uh, various places across the country. Monday nights from seven for two hours, except bank holidays. Andy'sManClub.co.uk, and we'll see you in February. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.